Aunt Josephine. Not one member of the Macy family attending Aunt Josephine's funeral wore black or acted sad. That was the Macy rule. No sadness. They were a large family, so a constancy of births and deaths was a given, and the Macy's used both as a means of family gatherings. Long ago, they had acknowledged that the biblical life expectation of three score years and ten was a bit light on, so had added an extra decade for comfort. But it was then considered that he or she had enjoyed a good innings and would be laid to rest with dignity and love, but few regrets. However, Josephine Macy had been an adored spinster, so there were quite a few misty eyes gathering at St Albans Church on that bleak early morning in September, just five days after she'd passed away. Again, in Macy tradition, there were few flowers. Rather, each mourner had brought just one sunflower, Aunt Josephine's favourite. Real or otherwise, they were worn according to choice, displayed in buttonholes, at waistbands, on hats, or even attached to bags. The effect was both colourful and comical. The organist, dressed in bright yellow, quietly played a decorous selection of show tunes, but as the verger came to the pulpit, she completed the set with an underplayed drum roll. My friends, we are gathered here today to pay tribute to our dear friend and family member, Josephine Charlotte Macy. Josephine was the youngest child and only daughter to Barry and Margaret Macy from London in England. She had four older brothers, Peter, John and the twins, Eric and William, all of whom came out to Australia as part of the £10 government scheme in 1963. They all married and were each blessed with many children. Although sadly they and their wives have passed on, their many progenies are with us today. His hand waved languorously over the front rows. He shuffled his papers, peered closely at the top of the page and went on. Josephine was a talented woman, artistically and creatively, and she made her way up in the world of interior design before writing a series of cookbooks that are still highly sought after today. He allowed a moment or two for his words to be confirmed by a certain amount of small talk. Then he continued by saying, I now call on Alicia Hewitt, Peter's eldest daughter and Josephine's niece, to begin the eulogy. Alicia was a portly woman and made her way to the stand slowly before taking a dramatic breath. <sighs> hello, 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 everybody. Hello? Hello? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Is, is this better? Um... I'm sure I don't need to tell any of you that Aunt Josephine was a remarkable woman. There were a few mutterings to confirm this to be true. Yes, that would be true. To my knowledge, she never had a day of sickness in her life. Oh, I hadn't thought of it, but, but yes, she, yes. Well, she was always there for others when they needed nursing, or even a helping hand, or even, well, anything really. She was a wonderful nurse and almost made being sick or under the weather, well, fun. <laughs> I remember when I was convalescing after having the twins, she came over every day with the most scrumptious cakes. I swear I put on as much weight as I had just lost after the birth. <laughs> Alicia followed this by giving suitable anecdotes, 
which helped paint a picture of a loving, caring woman. She finished up tearfully. And the same way that I grew to love her, so do my children. We will all miss her dreadfully. Alicia was followed by Josephine's nephew, a jovial man, now in his 60s. <laughs> and, and, and as you all know, she loved collecting jokes and brought those mammoth joke books, photocopied their pages and selected them appropriately for all of us on birthdays and Christmas. His recollections included some of the jokes which he remembered receiving from Aunt Jo through the years, most of which were known to the audience. Do, do, you, do you remember the knock-knock jokes? She never came through the door without a new one. He recited a few from memory, all of which were received with delight amidst mirth and laughter as he shared his favourite. <laughs> now it was Catherine's turn, a remnant of flower power, her floral tribute represented by a sunflower print dress and bright yellow pom-pom hat. I, I remember Aunt jo Josephine, especially at Halloween or Easter when she would get all us kids dressed up in witch and wizard costumes or, or Easter bunnies. And, of course, her own costumes were extraordinary. You must all remember Glinda, the good witch from Wizard of Oz. She, too, added further anecdotes. The end of school plays when Aunt Jo was always there with a sewing needle to make a costume for any of friends who had less capable mothers or family members. Steve... Another nephew, with many double chins to add to his prominent paunch. His tributes were many, but soon had the mourners doubling up with laughter as he recounted Aunt Josephine's enjoyment for novelty outings and new experiences. <laughs> and now we saw a creative side to Aunt Josephine, a woman who cherished her privacy but made special efforts at festive occasions to share her charming home and garden. And whenever Mum and Dad were away, we would have pyjama parties and put up tents in her garden. My kids, well, they're, they're growing now. They had the same fun. But their kids, well, with Aunt Jo gone, they'll never have the chance. And that's a big miss. The last was said with a catch in his voice. As if to emphasise the point, he blew his nose... <laughs> and ponderously went back to his seat. As others took their turn, the picture extended to a fiercely independent woman who had spent her professional and personal life not only helping others, but provided merriment and joy wherever she went. She had bought a modest home in the outer suburbs of the city, kept it frilly and feminine, neat and tidy, and most of all, always warm and welcoming to visitors many of whom were invited, and many of whom were not. The last person to stand created a stir of interest among the mourners. The tight-knit family had not seen him before, and there was a buzz of curiosity as to where he fit into Aunt Josephine's life. He was an undistinguished little man in his middle forties, dressed in a grey dark suit and college tie. He introduced himself as the pastoral care director of the Princess Alexander Hospital, where Aunt Josephine had spent her last few days. She was suffering from acute appendicitis when she admitted herself to the emergency ward. Sadly, the appendix had burst, and the toxins were already in her bloodstream. He looked around the room, over the top of his glasses. She must have been in agony. The mourners were quiet now 
thinking of Aunt Josephine's anguish, and at the same time, a little puzzled. Why had she left it so long? Why hadn't she called a doctor? Why go to a hospital so far from her home? The officer soon explained. Although in pain, she was quite conscious, and naturally, we asked for the name of her doctor so that we could obtain her medical history. Again, the little man looked around for effect. We were quite surprised that at 89 years of age, she hadn't got one, nor, according to her, ever had a need for one. His voice was now serious, as was the mood within the church. We had to inform her that there was little we could do other than keep the pain level to a minimum and asked for names of family that we could contact. Once more, he paused to make his next point clear. She was most emphatic that she didn't want anyone called. She didn't want to worry them. But she did ask for us to arrange for a solicitor to come so that she could update her will and write a few goodbyes. He held up a few envelopes. There was a stir of interest now as comments were exchanged. This explained why her death had come as a complete surprise to everybody. They felt relieved that they need not feel guilt that she died alone. It was obviously by choice. She didn't want to cause anybody any bother. Well, wasn't that just typical of Aunt Josephine? <coughs> the speaker gave a little cough in order to command attention. The solicitors will be posting details of the reading of the will in due course, so everything is in order. There was another cough before he continued. <coughs> However, she did prepare another surprise, a taped message to you all. And with your permission, we will play it now. A nod to the technician and the voice of the much-loved Aunt Josephine filled the church. My very dear friends and family, what a shame I can't be here with you today. My final party. <coughs> yes, sadly... I won't be hearing those anymore. But hopefully you will remember me when you welcome those lovely new babies into our family fold. The little ones I, I won't meet. Or the older ones I, I won't be able to farewell. You may care to think of me and, and think of me kindly, I hope. As her lively voice continued, a good many in the church closed their eyes, picturing Aunt Jo in her lovely home playing hostess over a fragrant cup of coffee and homemade lemon cake, as most of them had last seen her. As you know, I've always enjoyed music and dancing, so have I arranged, I've, I've arranged for a lovely afternoon tea with entertainment for you all when you go out to the reception room. So don't bother to follow my poor old last remains to the crematorium. That's just the waste rubbish I've outgrown. I would much prefer you to party with my spirit. <laughs> and I don't mean out of a bottle. <laughs> I found so much comfort in all of you and your wives and children. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The voice wobbled a little before resuming. However, my biggest thanks go to my dear, clever mother. Long gone these 50 years. She loved her four sons equally and never showed her disappointment when the fifth arrived. Suddenly, Aunt Josephine's voice was very strong. Yes, the fifth arrived. There was a long pause and a few of the older members of the congregation wrinkled their brows in even more surprise. 
Then Aunt Jo continued. I was very young when she and I came to a mutual conclusion that nature had played a nasty trick on me, which she quickly rectified. I'm sure you don't need to know the details, especially as the world was very unforgiving for, well, people like me. We, we were called deviants back then, as well as a lot of other nasty names. Thankfully, the world has moved on and is far more enlightened now. But, well, back then, suffice to say, our family moved across the world to this lovely place. My dear brothers were sworn to secrecy and my life began anew. I'm sure you have fond memories of them, even though they have long since passed on. My dears, I've had a wonderful life, and, and I hope you forgive this last little joke I'm playing on you. The director looked around at the faces, showing bewilderment and mute amazement as he began to speak. Yes, as you no doubt have gathered, it was, in fact, a Joseph Charles Macy who admitted himself to the hospital. There was a stunned silence as he went on. The staff had no reason to suppose that uh, Mr Macy was not a regular man. It was only when we explained there was no hope for him that he asked to speak to me personally and to explain his or her situation. His austere face looked over the mourners, who were all riveted to the pews. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Joseph Macy came to see us, but let there be no doubt. It is Miss Josephine Macy who is being buried here today. The director gave a nod to the musical technician. And suddenly the church was rendered to an uplifting solo of Aunt Josephine singing an enthusiastic solo of... I was a woman, hear me roar in numbers too big to ignore and I knew too much to go back and pretend Another nod to the pallbearers I've heard it all before and I've been down there on the floor no And they solemnly began to make the slow, short and last journey to take her casket to the final resting place But it's wisdom but try as they might, they could not help but lighten their step as the entire congregation, men and women alike, began to sing and clap to the rhythm. And there was not one of the entire Macy family who acted sad. I was a woman. You have been listening to Aunt Jo, written by Brianda Cross and performed by Amy Bent and Brianda Cross.